Welcome to the Wish I Would Have Known podcast. I'm Clint. And I'm Amber. And we've been married for almost 20 years. And in this 20 years, we've gained a lot of wisdom and found ourselves in the middle of some pretty crazy stories. And now we want to share those things with you. So here's some stuff that we wish we would have known. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Wish I Would Have Known. We're glad that you're here today. Yeah. How's it going? You can answer. Like, you can tell us. I can answer? No, they can answer. How's it going? How's it going? I hope they said something. They were like, man, it's going great. You know what I think is funny? What? At concerts when they're like, how's everybody doing tonight? And everybody responds. Woo! Woo! In in a normal conversation. I'm going to start doing that. You should. Just be like, all right, so we'll test it. All right. Hey, Amber, how's it going? Woo! Oh God, you're weird. <laughs> I would. I don't want to be friends woo! with you. That's how I'm doing today. You're doing I'm woo. Doing woo. I think I'm doing woo. <laughs> I would say. I would say we're all doing woo today. Are you doing woo today? I hope you are. Oh man. All right. So the other night, uh, we had some friends over to the house, and uh, speaking of, of weird family things or weird things, being being woo, uh, I shout upstairs to one of our twins and said, Frank come downstairs and mm-hmm. they looked at me like what who, who who is here right because our twins names are Isaac and Owen mm-hmm. um and Isaac comes walking down yeah and they look at me and they're like Frank he is also Frank yes why don't you share why so uh Frank is not Isaac's name nor his middle name but it is his nickname and the reason that it's his nickname is because when Isaac was around 4 years old um, he has always been really intelligent and really fun to mess with because he has that intellect where you can like have some give and take. Mm-hmm. So I was tucking him in the bed one night and, um, I don't know. I just decided that I was going to have a bit or a skit as Jack calls them. <laughs> Jack's like, Oh, you're doing a skit. Oh, you're doing a skit. Very derogatorily. Oh, you're doing a skit. This is a skit. <laughs> anyway. So I'm tucking Isaac in the bed and I was like, Hey, so I found your original birth certificate. Turns out there was a clerical error and we actually named you Frank. So legally, I'm required. We have to. We have to call you Frank. I'm required to call you Frank. I'm glad this was you and not me because I can't I can't be that way with our kids and not laugh. Like I can't. Okay. So Isaac, in the moment, I just thought he'd be like, oh, oh, oh. he goes, I understand. <laughs> Four year old Isaac. He's like, I understand. So sweet. And I'm like, all right, buddy. So just just so you know. I mean, I'm really hamming it up with him at this mm-hmm. point. Like, just so you know, we're all going to have to call you Frank now. We can't call you Isaac anymore because that's not your name. And he goes, okay. Okay. I mean, he just, he just accepted it. So I go downstairs. I tell him. Yeah. We call all of our family. Yeah. Like grandparents. Oh, we go deep into this. We're like, all right, we're committed at this point. <laughs> we told both of his siblings. Yeah. And we called Isaac Frank for a week. We did. And he just took it. And he, yeah, he totally accepted it. Like it was no big deal. So, yeah, he's totally, that's a nickname for him, and we will use it all the time. Now, eventually, I was like, hey, man, I'm messing with you. Yeah. And he thought it was funny. and But at that point, it had stuck. It had stuck. And so now his nickname is Frank. Mm-hmm. And he will respond to. 100%. I mean, just as, just as he will respond to Isaac or Ike, Frank, Frank. that's who he is. Mm-hmm. He is Frank now yep. for forever. But that, so that kind of got me thinking this morning about, um, about names mm-hmm. and like what people name their kids. Do you remember when we were trying to figure out a name for, for Merritt? 
mm-hmm. and you really like the name Ava and like don't don't like no big deal if like your kid's name is Ava. No, I love that name. We really love the name, but Amber really wanted to name Mara Ava until she went to a playground to take the twins and there was a mom there who had like one of those like non podcast friendly voices. It was very nasally. Ava. <laughs> she must have Ava. said this girl's name Ava a hundred times. Put Ava. It, put it down, Ava. And she'd like extend it out. And I yeah, I came home Ava. and I was like it took me and I was like, nope. Nope. Strike that one from the list. I'm sorry. I can't. But I love the name. So if your daughter's name is Ava, or if your name is Ava, it's great. It's a great name. Okay, so I'm I'm on the sideline of the UT game. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for, for those of you guys who don't live in Austin, UT is University of Texas. Whoop, whoop. It's not Tennessee. It's not Tulane or Tuscaloosa. The only UT. The only UT. Is University of Texas in Austin. Go Longhorns. Uh, okay. So I'm on the sideline the other day, and I'm uh, I'm hanging out with a friend, uh, watching the game. There's this guy standing next to me who's so nice. He keeps talking to me, but people keep walking over and taking pictures with him. And so after a couple minutes, I realize that it's actually two guys. One of them is James Marsden, mm-hmm. and the other one is Scott Eastwood, both mm-hmm. actors. I didn't know who they – again, there's another episode where I – clearly don't know any of these no. things and amber knows all of these things so i am texting amber it's like hey who, who is, is james <laughs> who is james marston and who is scott eastwood so i'm having a conversation with these guys they're the nicest guys ever mm-hmm. they're just super great uh i have a friend of mine that's hanging out with me there on the sideline annie and uh annie's talking to scott and and myself and she says to scott and like she's just so cute and she just like talks to everybody and she's super nice she goes oh my god he's named after your dad because Scott Eastwood's dad is Clint Eastwood, and I am. And he looked at me, and I thought, I was like, man, this can be a really awkward interaction. And he goes, me too. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? what he's is- like, he's like, my middle name is Clint. I was like, so you're Scott Clint Eastwood? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm Clint Hudson. It's nice to meet you. It's like you should have both- said I'm Clint Scott Eastwood. Clint, Clint Scott, Scott Hudson. Hudson. Yeah, <laughs> Mind blown. But it was so funny. It's like, oh, yay. So we kind of gave each other like awkward high fives. Like, yay, we're both. Named after your named dad. Named after your dad. Who, who I've never met. <laughs> but that's super neat. So you were legit named after Clint Eastwood. I was. I was named after Clint Eastwood. It's a it's a strong country name. Mm. Right? He's kind yeah, of like I a cowboy. So. Oh, yeah. He's totally a cowboy. Listen, we, so I, I grew up in South Carolina. We have some country names. Yeah, we do. We have some country names, and especially on one side of my family. Um, one side of my family features... Such characters and names as Jackie Earl. Mm. Cool name. Not too bad. We have an Aunt Juanita, but that's not that bad. But we call her Aunt Wonky. Aunt? Aunt? Wonky. Wonky. We call her Aunt Wonky because, I mean, Juanita's hard to say. Yeah. So, Aunt Wonky. Wonky is easier to say than Juanita? Yeah, and we we actually call her Wonky Dieter. Wonky Dieter. Why? I don't know. I, I I just grew up in this family. I didn't make the rules. I just, I'm a child and I'm introduced. This is Aunt Wonky. Wonky Dieter. I had an Uncle Buddy. That was that's, his name. That's buddy. not too bad. Yeah. We got some. I mean, that wasn't his actual name, but. You know what? Buddy. You know what names? I really like uh, country names that have like three names. Mm. You remember the, uh, the 90s? You remember 90s country is like. The best. This is the best. 90s country, throw it back. Uh, what was the dude's name? Uh, John Michael Montgomery. Oh. You remember John Michael Montgomery? Oh. I think he only had, I'm sure he had lots of songs, but he only had one that I remember. 
So it's funny you say that because the other day someone brought this up because we were talking about vocal techniques and and breathing techniques and they're like oh my gosh i heard a song the other day that like i bet it would be so hard to breathe in and they're like i don't know if y'all know what i'm talking about but it's uh, was it the john about... michael montgomery song oh yeah they were talking about the auction song. oh was, yeah is it called the auctioneer or like auction song I don't or... I auction something but yeah i know it i know every word no you don't yes i do prove it Hey, pretty lady, won't you give me a sign? I'll give anything to make a mind on mine. I'll do your bidding and be at your beck and call. Well, I've never seen anyone looking so fine, man. I gotta have her. She's a one of a kind. I'm going once, going twice, and I'm sold, sold to the lady in the second row. row. She's, she's an eight, she's nine, nine, she's ten. ten. I know she got ruby red, red lips, long hair, blue eyes, and I'm about to bid my heart goodbye. See, yes. you know it too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why? Yeah, that's I, locked, locked in. Why is that in locked there? Locked. From when I was like in fifth grade, I think I, that song came out. The kids gave me a math equation last night that like solve for X, and I'm like, "Hey, pretty lady, won't you give me a sign?" I just <laughs> I can't do math, but I can do John Michael Montgomery all day. Why? I don't know. Why is that locked into my head? Why didn't they teach us school in songs? Well, they tried. They tried with Schoolhouse Rock. With like little. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm I'm sitting sitting here on Capitol Hill. Hill. See, that's locked in there, too. Yeah. I feel like I like I I literally I'll watch the news and I'm like, I know how this process works. He's just a bill (laughs) sitting on Capitol Hill. I got this. Like, I understand fully as an adult what this means. Yeah, this is sad. It's sad. You know, it's funny though, like we, we learn, we, we're taught how to learn in school. I mm-hmm. think that's so much of it. But as an adult, it, our default is like a lot of people, they st- they want to stop. They stop learning. Yeah. I feel like a good leader is a good learner though. Oh, I always say that. That's a nugget. You stole that from me. Go, go, go. A then. good leader. You say it. Is a good learner. Give me that organ. <laughs> No, really, though, if you like if you want to be a leader of people, you also have to understand that you don't know everything and you're never going to know everything. And so, yeah, striving to learn is is part of growing and part of being a good leader. And not just like book learning. No, no, no. This is like assessing situations and learning people, learning, yes. learning cultural dynamics, yes. learning how to lead people, learning how to communicate with people. Uh, I think that's something, you know, we'll get into this in another episode later, but like there's all these different ways, these Myers-Briggs tests, there's leadership tests, there's mm-hmm. these, uh, the Enneagram where you can learn how to, how people need, we talked about on last episode, love languages, yep. right? Yeah, about, it's all a part of it. And yeah. uh, learning yourself, learning how you operate, what works best for you, but then also applying that to people around you, not just in a selfish way, but yeah, learning to how to operate in environments with other people. You remember when we... um we started out in ministry, our very first job in ministry. Yes, I do. <laughs> so Amber and I got married, and I think we, we covered this in another episode where we got married on Friday the 13th in between two hurricanes, mm-hmm. as one does. As one does. Which for, was For luck, right? Yeah, for, lu- for luck. <laughs> We're just washed with luck. A wash with a it. A wash with it. <laughs> in what situation do you use washed versus a wash? Uh, I... I don't know. Did they make that a song? I don't know. If, if it's not in a song, you don't know If it's not a it. song, I don't know. Man, that's funny. Uh, but Amber and I, after we got married, we moved down to Florida, and uh, I was a youth pastor at a tiny little Methodist church mm-hmm. um, in Melbourne, Florida. Yep. yep. Which, uh, it's kind of on the coast, east coast. And um, 
It's a great little community. This church has been there for forever. Um, they had kind of a, a small-ish student ministry at the time, and it's something that we really felt passionate about growing and developing. Yeah. And um, it was great. We Well, we were 20, 21. I think you had just turned 21. So I was impetuous and young and knew everything. Extremely impetuous. And we super did know everything. Yeah. I mean, we had it figured out. So what I wish I would have known <laughs> is I wish I would have had a podcast that told me, hey, be, be a, a good leaders are good learners. Hey, you don't know everything. You don't know it. You don't. You need to learn the culture. Yes. You need to understand the, the ramifications of the decisions that you make. Slow your role. Slow it. Slow it down. Slow it down. I wish somebody would have said that to me, yes. but instead I painted over the Ten Commandments. <laughs> let, me, let me back it up. Let me back it up. Dun, dun, dun. That's what I feel like needs to happen right there. <laughs> That's what happened in my head. So they have this student ministry of this church. They have an upstairs like youth room. Uh, it's a pretty cool facility in a yeah, lot of no, ways. It, was, it had pool tables and ping pong tables and, and couches and, video games and, 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 and like there was a, a little worship center for students, which was mm-hmm. really cool. And, but on the walls in this room, all the walls are they were all purple. They were all first of all. They they were like light purple. They were purple, and then some of the walls had shadow people on them. Yeah, and and so meaning I, what. I guess what had happened is they had an artist come in and some of the students would like whatever they were interested in, like a tennis racket. They were holding a tennis racket. They were reading a book. And I guess they put like a projector on it. it. Like and so they ballerina. sketched them. Yeah, it they sketched a... them out. And it's, but these were like real, real people. Life-size shadow people on but, the but wall. I'm, but I'm talking like they were actually people that had gone to the youth ministry yes. there years before. So like people would come back and be like, oh, that's me right oh, there. Oh, that's me, the, the creepy tennis. shadow person yeah. playing tennis because yeah. that's what I did in high school. And like I didn't uh, in, uh, like understand the significance of this. No, we did not. And and had we slowed our role and had some conversations with people, we would have understood the significance of not only the shadow people, but on the other wall of the youth room, on either side of the doorway, was the Ten Commandments tablets. They, like the tablets. Painted. They were the tablets painted. Painted. So, all right. So, all right, dear listener, you walk into a room. There's couches. There's a TV. There's ping pong tables. There's shadow people on the wall. And there's old Ten Commandments that are painted on the wall. This doesn't seem like a very inviting place to bring a whole bunch of Gen X or like Gen Z coming up, like skateboarder kids. Yeah. Because that's. That's what we had. And we it, we had an awesome ministry where we, you know, attracted a lot of kids from the community, a lot of kids that were skateboarding at the time. We ran a little skateboard shop out of there. So in our mind, we're like, we're going to make this a super cool environment because we're cool. Yeah. Right? We're in our 20s and we're super cool. And we know all the things. And we know all the things. So without asking. Without asking. Without asking anyone, we hired painters. We did. And we painted the walls. And not only did we paint over people's shadow kids mm-hmm. that I guess were supposed to be there in perpetuity for the rest of time. I don't know. But we also y'all painted over the Ten Commandments. <laughs> so, again, we did this without In asking. my defense, not one of the commandments listed doesn't say thou shalt not paint over the Ten Commandments. Okay, that's fair. But it doesn't. It doesn't. So I think the big I think the big lesson here is though we did this without asking because had we gone to the elders of the church and the pastor and said, 
this is our heart for this ministry and we really feel like we can create this environment, like pitch the vision, right? And and got some buy-in for that vision. If we would have studied the culture, we would have known that there were some parents that probably wanted to have their kids come and take maybe a, take a picture, take a picture with, their, with shadow their shadow or something. What the Peter Pan? It, I, all right, maybe I didn't learn anything because, like that, just <laughs> even right now, that sounds I, so ridiculous. Yeah. But again, had we we it could have turned out very different. We could have invited people in. Yes, and that would have helped other people feel like that. Hey, we understand the vision. We know where we're going. Maybe your idea is a great idea. But it's important to have buy-in from the people around you. And I think that's something that I wish I would have known at the time. And I think for any of you guys that are going into a a new career, a new field, a new company, a new community, Mm -hmm. if you're going to college, Mm -hmm. take a beat. Slow your roll. Slow your roll. Take a beat and learn the culture. Ask some questions. Because there may be a a sacred cow that you don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in certain communities, certain cultures. It's funny that I just said sacred cow referring to this 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 wall of painted people that also had the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments and the sacred cow, like Moses broke the tablets because they had built a sacred, sacred cow while he was gone. Mm-hmm. That's not what I meant by that necessarily. Okay. But my mind just went there. Anyway. Anyway. Back to your regularly scheduled podcast. <laughs> you, so, you, got, you guys just... Had a little rabbit trail. So we got called into uh, a meeting, and at the time, you would have thought that we painted over the actual Ten Commandments. I mean, it was a very big deal. It was egregious. And in our mind, we were still, I think you and I were still like, what's what's the big deal? Yeah, I think I I didn't, I wasn't old enough to understand and take wise counsel Mm -mm. and appreciate that. This is something and I probably could have done better. Not that age has anything to do with it, because I know plenty of people who are our age or older that still struggle with taking wise counsel. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So I it, don't remember that meeting. It was, it was not pretty. They were not happy with us. What happened? They just were not happy. Like, they were very upset. But we didn't, like, repaint the Ten Commandments no, on the wall. No, we didn't repaint, because we'd already spent the, the budget money to paint the walls. <laughs> I think this is like my first budget that I ever had to. And I was like, I know what to do with this. Listen, God can still use us in our stupidity and in our, I'm trying to say naive. How do you say that? Naivety. Naivety. Yes. There you go. That word. God can still use us in It wasn't in a song. So that's why you don't know it. Um, he absolutely used that time and used that ministry. Like you said, we had kids. It was so cool. Like those kids in the community that would never step foot in a church, but because we painted these walls, I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But isn't that funny though, that we thought the aesthetics of the room were something that was going to really help us do ministry. But we, we invested ourselves in them and in their lives and they started coming to church and it was this really cool, like. I don't know, these unreached kids felt like they had a safe space, but it literally had nothing to do with the paint on the walls. Had we had the shadow people still there and the Ten Commandments, I think it still could have been this special place for them because it wasn't about that. Yeah. You know what I think I've learned to over the years is when you come into something new, you come into a new environment like that, one of the first things you want to do is you want to change things because you want to be able to put your stamp on things. Mm-hmm. And you feel like, oh, I have an outsider's perspective, which gives me the right to be able to say X, Y, and Z. Right. Whereas what you could do is actually ask questions and have some conversation with people. Why are things like this? Yeah. 
Oh man, like such an easy question. Yeah. And and I think that the burden of knowledge as a leader, like being able the burden of information mm. is something that maybe we we take for granted too often. We're we're scared we're scared to ask people questions. This is just in life. We're too scared to ask people questions because we don't want to seem ignorant. Right. But what it actually does is there are other people that have more wisdom and more information, and that information helps us to be better stewards of the environments that we get placed in. That's good. That's a good word. I mean, I just look at so many different seasons of life where something could have been been solved just by asking a good question. Mm-hmm. Or like, hey, why is it like this? I think we don't ask good questions because, like you said, we want to appear like we already know those things. Like there's just something innate in us that's like, no, 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 I already, I already know this and I actually know better than you. So even if you think something should be the way that it is, I'm going to come in and make it better. Isn't it funny that like uh, criticism culture where – People want to want to appear informed, and so what they provide is criticism. So, like, hey, what do you think about this thing? Like, when you this go is, and ask somebody, hey, what do you think about this? And they're like, oh, well, I'm going to find something that I dislike about it to make myself seem as if I'm informed and that's intelligent. That's what it, I cannot stand, like, movie critics. Like, I, I get that that's, I don't know, that's a job, um, and it's important or whatever. But, like, it drives me silly because it's it's literally, like, it has to be a negative opinion if it's an opinion, and it is. It's it's to like elevate oneself. I think there are movie critics that are great. I, I think there's a culture where we elevate and value negative criticism because it makes people appear more intelligent. Like they know something you don't. Yes. So I hate this movie because blank blank blank. I mean, you're you're too ignorant. To well, know clearly that. that's not the way time travel works. <laughs> where what? Everyone knows time travel doesn't work in this particular way. That's how movie critics. Are. That's how they talk. Movie critics, they all have the same voice. It's not just did movie. you know that? <laughs> I didn't know that. I watched the film Endgame this past weekend. Garbage. Garbage. <laughs> Iron Man, wish I was dead. Oh my gosh. Oh God. Whatever. Spoiler Any- alert. Sorry. I know. Oh God. Oh. I gotta it's put not, a spoiler tag on this episode. It's not now. just movie critics, though. I I think if you recognize this, and then now you're gonna start scrolling through your social and and see that happen more often than not. Like when something comes up, people are are so quick to to be negative, mm. but it's because I think they're just I don't know. Yeah, they're trying to appear like they they know so much more than you. I guess. All right. So uh, a couple a couple months ago, I went on a songwriting retreat. And uh, something revolutionary happened the very first night that we were there. Kind of changed the game Mm -hmm. for everybody. So we have songwriters from our church here in Austin, a lot of different worship leaders. Um, Everybody, when you come into an environment like that, there's almost a, um, what's the, not not a pridefulness necessarily, but like a, oh, I'm going to prove myself. I I got this. I deserve a seat at this table. And everybody wants to. Um, one up each other, and there's like a one upmanship yes. that can that can yes. take place. And so the very first night, um, just Jesse Reeves was leading the um, leading the charge, and he's a brilliant songwriter and an awesome pastor, and um, just a really good shepherd of people. And so he walked around the room. We sat in a big circle, and and um, he said, "Everybody here is the most insecure person in the room." 
And we kind of laughed. And he's like, so what we're going to do is we're going to go around the room where you're going to share what you're most insecure about because that way the enemy's not going to be able to use it against you this week. Mm. And I've never been in an environment where that, that happened. Like that's, that's terrifying. Yeah, it really is. And especially, not what we're especially when you're in a do. place where you're, you, you kind of showed up, you thought about this for weeks. You're like, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to mm-hmm. do this. And we went around the room and we all shared our insecurities. And what was so amazing is when somebody would share theirs, there would be five other voices that would negate that thing that that person said, like just encouragement that was given to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was it was brilliant. We ended up writing 20 songs in 48 hours. Which is incredible. And the Lord met with us there in such a special way. But I think but, he met with you because you start with humility. I think not right? only start with humility, but like that was a, that was a catalytic moment where I recognize that if I embrace my insecurity, if I acknowledge, not embrace, acknowledge my insecurity, that that gives God more opportunity to receive glory. And I, I, I really th- I think about that often because I really want to employ that same practice into my normal life. What would it look like if we operated from a place of acknowledging our insecurities? What does that look like? What does that translate like in your life? If, you know, not that you let it become your identity and you're so down on yourself that you can't function, but just that like, I, I'm insecure about speaking or whatever. So then you go to people and you say, I, I would like to get better at this. And it helps people understand that you're a real person. Yeah. I, when I did ministry alongside of NASCAR a while back, one of the ways that I built relational equity with people that were in that world is by standing over a, a stack of tires and saying, hey, I don't know anything about any of this. So what's that thing do? What's that? And they're like, that's a car, sir. And I was like, oh, that's one of them vroom vrooms. What's that? What's that? What's that right there? Hey. Like, hey, hey, what's that? I forget which side of the like car my gas tank's on. But like, in there's me, an arrow for that. There is. Yeah. Uh, is that episode zero? I think so. I think so. Anyway, um, I, I think there's there's beauty in recognizing that you don't know everything and even being willing to put that out there in front of people and say, hey, I am a learner. Mm-hmm. I want to learn. It's funny. I was We were having a conversation with someone the other day and they said something that was like, a reference to something else and it was like three letters and I just nodded my head like I knew what she was talking about and then later I went back to her and I was like hey just so you know <laughs> I had no idea what you were talking about and she thought it was hilarious and explained what she was saying but like in that moment had I not just been like hang on what what does that mean was it DNA but I know what DNA is what is it what why are you putting me on the spot like that it's, it's okay. DNA it's okay be a learner D- Jurassic Park has taught us. <laughs> I'm a DNA. I'm a, hey, I'm a DNA. You only know that from Jurassic Dinosaurs. Park. <laughs> Dinosaurs. I think, isn't it deoxyribonucleic acid? Sure. Dunna. Dunna. All right. Okay. Anyway. But yeah, just if in that moment, if I had, you know, been humble enough to say, hey, I don't know what that means. Could you explain that? It wouldn't have cost me anything. And the person explaining things people actually i think enjoy that right they like helping you learn that's what happened within nascar is when i would volunteer hey i don't know anything they thought it was the most fun thing to teach me things and And it built relational equity which gave me an opportunity to share with them what i knew which was the gospel 
So you're more effective that way than coming in acting like the expert, don't you think? A hundred percent. And it's so funny because it's it's so counterintuitive to what we want to do. All right, so here's your takeaway from this episode. This is the wish I would have known for you, that a good leader is a good learner and that you need to position yourself always to, to learn, ask questions, be willing to grow, be willing to have someone teach you something. And that doesn't have to always be a boss. Right. It doesn't have to be someone in authority over you. It builds relational equity when you be when you're willing to humble yourself and say, "Hey, what does this mean?" Yeah. No, I I, I do a small group uh, Bible study with women, and they'll come to the table every week with totally different perspectives than I had. And I, I mean, I'm just amazed at the things that they have they've found out, you know. And it's learning for me, and it's been so good. So I, as the leader, I don't need to just talk the whole time and teach them. They've been teaching me and it's been such a cool give and take. Yeah. That's been really big for me. I wish I would have known one A for this episode. Thou shalt not paint over the Ten Commandments. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Guys, inevitably, you're going to find yourself in a situation in life where you're going to think the best course of action is to paint over the Ten Commandments and just don't. Just don't. Don't do it. I know, I know you're going to think, you know what? It's the right thing to do. And you're going to think back, hang on now. Wait, I heard a podcast. I heard a podcast that this. said, don't paint over don't the Ten Commandments. Paint. Or at least ask first. Ask first before you paint over the Ten Commandments. That's your big takeaway. Man, we just changed somebody's life. You know what's so funny, though, is like that would have changed my life. <laughs> In that real specific situation. Well, if time travel worked the way that people think it should work. Time travel doesn't work in such a way. (laughs) Everyone knows. Man, you just Seinfeld episode this whole podcast. You just, you put it all together. Tied a big bow. Brilliant. Guys, thanks for listening. Yes, thank you. Seriously, so great. Uh, Episode 10 is up next super excited about this uh thanks so much for being on this journey with us this has been really really fun yes check out our socials wish.podcast super easy to remember yep be our uh, friend feel free feel free anytime to kind of give us an idea of some things that you wish that you would have known or some episode ideas we'd love for that to happen yes uh we got some special guests coming up in season two mm. just a little teaser little just little bit of a teaser dropping that in there gonna be really awesome we love you guys thanks so much for listening and we will see you next week bye guys Wish I Would Have Known is recorded in the beautiful hill country of Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Follow us on Instagram at wish.podcast and stop by to say hi. We like it when people say hi.